Hey, uh, how's everybody again? Good, good. Are we excited? All right. So I, I have to uh, confess, I, um, one, of my, one of the pastors kind of in our community, he, I don't know, a couple months ago, he did a sermon. At the end of his sermon, he had this like big crescendo. And when he did this thing at the end of the sermon, he, they popped confetti and it fell from the ceiling. And I was like, that's the cheesiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, we bagged on him. We made fun of him for having confetti fall in his church service. Like, that's so manufactured. That's lame. And here we are, popping confetti. And it was kind of cool. It was actually fun. You know, Pat said something in his devotion, you know, and he said that we can all meet people where they are. I don't want you to miss that. I want you to catch that. There's some real meaning in that, that we can meet people where they are. Now, now Pat is an individual who, um, like he said, Dan invited him to church a couple years ago, and he came and started growing in the Lord. God got a hold of his heart, and now, as you guys see, he's in leadership here because that's a choice that he's made to, to do what God's called him to do and to follow and grow in that area. And um, God's been using him, and we see some natural gifts in his, in his life. And um, last Sunday, um, he got a prayer request from somebody in church, and uh, so he told me today, you know, and, and, and I was aware of what's going on, and he said, today, yeah, we went out to lunch on Friday. And I just said, man, like, you can't teach that. You can't give that. Like, you had it in your heart because you care about this person to reach out to them, to spend some time with them, to love on them, and go out to lunch with them on Friday and make, pick up your phone and call them and say, hey, let's go get lunch because of a prayer request that you got on Sunday. That's, that's meeting people where they are. That's what that means. That means that we, we can do that. We can reach out. And, and listen, we're not, we don't all have to be pastors and preachers and teachers. But, but we can all love the other people that are across the aisle. You know how Jesus said that people will know that we're his disciples? You know what? You would think that, that the fruit and the way that people would, would identify us as Christ followers is how we love the outside world and how we love people in our neighborhoods and how we love. But, you know, really, that's not what Jesus said. It's kind of counterintuitive, but this is what Jesus said. So it's obviously true, right? Jesus said that your love one for another by this they will know you're my disciples. So how you love across the aisle, how we love each other in this room, that's contagious. And that's what the world is going to see. They're, they're going to expect us to put on a front face and, and, and be nice if we go and we, we go in the streets and we, we pass out food and we do humanitarian work in the name of Jesus. And, and that's all good. But what, what, what Jesus said and what the world really recognizes is how we love each other. And, if, and, and, and that's something we can all do, right? Can anybody not do that? That's something as a church today, right now, we can grow in. You can pick up your phone on Friday and invite someone out to lunch that, that, that's going through something that you just want to love on and check on and just, just be a brother and a sister to. Amen? That's ministry, man. That's love. That's Jesus, right? And so just as a church, you know, look for opportunities to, to, to meet somebody else's need, you know. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes we, we, we process life. And, and if you do this in a long season, you're going to struggle. And, and it's okay. We all do it for short seasons where life is about us and our problems and what's wrong with me and mine. But, you know, if you do that for a long time, you're just going to end up bitter and sad and really in a lonely place. But, it, but if, you, if you show up here on Sundays, if you show up in life kind of with the attitude of not, not bless me, bless me, bless me, but who can I bless? That's God's formula for healing in your life. You're facing depression. You know, you know what's depressing? Focusing on our lives, focusing on my problems every day, all day, and, and you know, all, all the time looking in the mirror at all the problems that I have. 
that's depressing. And I'm going to stay depressed as long as I keep looking at myself and what's going on in my life. And the Bible says, and Jesus said, if you want a cure for that, here's what you do. Just look at other people's problems and go bless them and love them and minister to them and and do something in their lives that, that, that you would want someone to do in your life and go find somebody that needs a blessing and bless them and do that 10 times. And by the time you're done, you forget you had any problems because you didn't focus on yourself all the time. And you didn't come with an attitude like, oh, bless me, bless me, bless me. You know, um, vision for our church. This, today is what we're going to call um, Vision Casting Sunday, okay? So I'm hoping today that, that you guys can catch a little bit of the vision that God has given us as, as, as a part of this church. And if you call this your home church, if, you know, somebody says, where's your home church or where do you go to church? And if you identify um, Calvary Chapel as your home church, then this is for you today, you know? And, and, and really, first of all, our, our vision here, and every church has a different personality. And if you notice, if you look around our valley, there's lots of different churches, and everybody has maybe a couple of little different flavors. God allows that. These are, these are, you know, if the fundamentals are the fundamentals, and if Jesus is God, and people have the, 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 the right way to get to heaven through Jesus, and, and through faith in Jesus alone, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ, every one of them. Every church, the, 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 the conservative, the liberal, the middle, you know, the, these are people that we're going to be in heaven with. They're born again. They're part of the body of Christ. And we do things very differently. You know, some, some churches behave differently and we behave differently. They're not wrong and we're right and we're not right and they're wrong. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It's just different. But God allows it. You know, we go into um, 31 flavors. Anybody know what 31 flavors is? Do you have those? Baskin Robbins, is that Baskin Robbins now? It used to be 31 flavors? I'm old. I'm dating myself. I'll be 40 this year. <laughs> um, so I lie about my age, by the way. I'll just tell you that. Um, often, and I'll keep doing it till, till Jesus comes back. But um, where was I? You know, if we go in and, and, and to 31 flavors, and, and if I order chocolate and you order vanilla, one is not right and one is not wrong. I like chocolate. You like vanilla. It's not like, oh, well, vanilla chocolate so much better. No, 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 it's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a preference. Listen, within the family of God, there, there are some preferences that God allows. There are some different flavors. There's, there's our Pentecostal brothers, and they like to wobble and get a little crazy and speak in tongues and services and dance, and God bless them. You know, there's, there's our really conservative brothers and sisters who, you know, women have to wear dresses. Uh, literally, go to some churches, and, and it's, it's just culture that, that women are supposed to wear dresses. Um, and, and God bless them. They're, they're, you know, we're kind of, Calvary Chapel, we've always fancied ourselves as kind of in the middle. We're not way extreme this way. We're not way extreme this way. We, we call it Bapticostal. It's like a combination of Baptist and, and Pentecostal. You know, we're kind of in the middle somewhere. We're Bapticostal. So we, um, but, but again, the, 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 all that was to say this. Look, for us, for, for what God's called us in this place to do, we're, we're a church that we believe God's called us to make disciples, which, which is, is, is key on the word of God, on studying, on growing, on learning the word of God. We believe that we become disciples of Jesus, that we know Jesus, that we, we, we grow in Jesus as we grow as students of the word. We're very big. We encourage you guys on a daily and a weekly basis to read your Bible for yourself every day. Really feel like it is a key foundation of Christian living of being a Christ follower. You can't really be a Christ follower if you don't read the Bible for yourself on a regular basis. Bible for yourself on a regular basis. Listen, I'm not condemning you. 
I want to encourage you, but I I will tell you, you're just not going to grow as a believer in Jesus. And you're going to be like the folks that we've been studying in Hebrews that Paul got very frustrated with because he had been training them and with them for a long time, and they were still babes in Christ needing milk. And they weren't ready for meat. They weren't ready for the, the things of the Lord that God wanted to do in their lives. And as you know, our spiritual growth is dependent upon, upon us and our desire and our willingness. And every one of you has as much opportunity as you want to grow as fast as you want to grow, to be as, as close to Jesus as you want to be, that you have an invitation to be right here with Jesus. He, he's invited you in to a very intimate and close place of relationship with him. And, and where you are in your intimacy and your relationship with Jesus is your choice. But part of that, listen, it comes and it happens through you being a student of the word of God. Check everything that I say. Study the word for yourself. Verify the things. Read for yourself. Seek the Holy Spirit. Seek God through his word and grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So we, we process, Lydia and I, as we came and our family came as, you know, in the beginning as missionaries from California, we, we, we tried to, to seek God for what he wanted to do in this particular church plant. Now, Calvary Chapel kind of had a cookie-cutter model. In 1968, um, a guy by the name of Pastor Chuck Smith was a denominational pastor. He was with a four-square denomination. He had been like in his sixth different um, church plants. About every two years, they would move the, um, the denominational pastors around. And he landed in a place called Costa Mesa in what was called the Little White Church. 25, held 25 people. And, and Chuck Smith started in the late 60s in Costa Mesa in the Little White Church. I still got pictures of it in the, in the building today in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Well, Chuck decided he was close to the beach. He liked Orange County. He had moved five times in the last eight years in different churches. And he didn't want to leave this little white church in Costa Mesa. So he, he decided, how can I stay here? He said, I know what I'll do. And, and this is how it happened. He said, I'll teach the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. I'll teach every chapter, every verse, every word, and, that, and, and, and just do that. And so Chuck, so that if I do that, I can't leave. I have to stay here longer, and I can be close to the beach. And so Chuck started teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And, and there was also a Jesus movement happening in the early 70s. All the hippies that were coming out of um, Haight-Ashbury and Woodstock and that generation and their free love and sex and things that were going on with the hippie generation, most of them. Those, those young people that were coming out of that, they were so dazed and confused that, that God, poured his whole, God poured his Holy Spirit out upon the United States, in, and it was a national move of God's Holy Spirit. Time magazine documented it. The world documented it. It was called the Jesus Movement. It was the last great American Jesus revival in the United States that happened in the early 1970s, and Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel just happened to be in the hub of where this was happening. And so um, the church began to grow, and, and Chuck began to raise up people, um, and he would have five nights a week in his living room, some men, eight or ten men that, that God was raising up, and he was training them how to go and, and duplicate what he was doing, just teaching through the Bible. And so John Corson and Skip Heitzig and Raul Reese and um, Mike McIntosh and some of the original guys from Calvary, they, they went to different cities, and they began to duplicate what Chuck was doing. By 1994, Calvary Chapel was the largest evangelical church in the world um, with, I don't know, 900 churches around the world. And some of the largest churches, one of the top five churches in the, in the world at the time was Calvary Chapel in Fort Lauderdale, um, 10,000 people on a Wednesday night. And, um, and really just through, um, again, the, the teaching of the word of God and, and seeing people grow in their faith and grow as disciples. 
And so um, for us, again, our vision is to is to make disciples. You know, some churches are um, a lot of. Uh, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to make any comparisons between other churches and just stating some facts. Other churches. They, they water things down a little bit because it's, it's hard. Like as I've taught through the book of Hebrews, I've, I've really had to, to take my time and slow down because there's some things that you just can't just teach. You have to teach what you're teaching and what that means before you can get to where you're going. And it's taken a little time to go through Hebrews. I intentionally picked Hebrews for year number six, not year number one, because it, we needed some time to grow through some of the other Bible because it's, it's a really heavy type stuff. Well, some churches just keep it light and, and it's, it's more friendly. If you're brand new and you don't know, um, you know, Christian lingo and you don't know some of the terms that we use and the, you know, sanctification and salvation and whatever, if these things are all really foreign to you. So it's 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 intended to see new believers come to Christ and be more milk. And it's great. And they're seeing conversions and people grow. And we want to see conversions and, and that, too. But our again, our emphasis is more on, you know, that next level of, of growing as disciples in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So. Let's do this. Should we get weird up in here? Like it hasn't got weird already? <laughs> let's get weird. Hey, let's go second uh, Corinthians. So it's Old Testament, not Corinthians, Chronicles, Chronicles. So hopefully you know where we're headed. Second Chronicles chapter 6 and 7. Um, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon gives us one of the most famous verses about prayer in the Bible. Second Chronicles, let's start in chapter 6. Second Chronicles chapter 6, um, in chapter 7, in verse 14, this is a verse that you should all be very familiar with. We're going to go back to 6, but if you want to turn to 7.14 for a second, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so this is... Um, God's promise to Solomon after um, the dedication of the temple that if, if things did get sideways in Israel, which they would at many times, that if, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, would turn from their wicked ways and would pray that God would heal their land. And, and the Bible says, listen, this is for all of us. The Bible says that God is a present help in time of need. And that's a promise for every one of you. It doesn't matter where you've been, how low you've gone, how much you've sinned, how many times you've turned your back on God. What God has decided to do for you and I is no matter what, no matter when, no matter where, if you'll come and call him and ask for forgiveness and repentance and be close again to him, he's welcome you back. He's, he's just made that choice about himself and about you. The Bible says in many ways, but, but in the Psalms, very clearly that God is a present is, is present in, in every time of need. Present help in time of need. So it doesn't matter what. He says, I'm a present help in time of need. Come. Your time of need, come. Come, come. I'll be there. I'll be there for you. I'll be there with you. I'll forgive you. I'll heal you. I'll restore you. And, and, and what happens in the history of Israel is the history of Israel is, is, a, is a roller coaster of ups and downs. And every time they go through a valley, if, if they'll come to God, that regardless of how, how many idols they've followed and how, God, how, how bad they've been in their walks and in their following, God's promise is, if you'll come to me, I'll heal you. I'll, I'll forgive you. And that's what they did. And many times they would come. And every time they came, God, God forgave them. We have in, in this section of the Bible these if clauses. Now, if clauses are, um, to me, I think a little confusing at times because we, we do have in the Bible 
some very unconditional promises. They have nothing to do with what you do. God's going to bless you. Your salvation is by your faith alone. You can take nothing away. You can add nothing to it. It's done. It's not what you do. It's what Jesus has done for you that saves you and, and, and that you're, you're, you're sanctified through, through the blood of Jesus Christ. But on the other side of those promises that God has given you that have nothing to do with you, that God's going to perform them whether you do anything or not, there is... In the Bible, and very biblically, all the way through Old and New Testament, what we call if clauses. And and sometimes God says, if you do this, then I will bless you. And if you do this, then I will curse you. That's what it says. And he says, if you do this, then then good things will happen. But if you don't, then there, there will be trouble. But if you come back to me, and so where we are in first and in six and seven here of, of, of Chronicles is kind of this progression. It's like uh, Solomon dedicated a temple. And then God says, Solomon, if the people follow me, I'm, I'm going to be their God. I'm going to show up and I'm going to bless them. But if the people sin and they begin to follow idols, then I'm going to curse them. But if they do begin to follow idols and sin, when I curse them, if they come back to me and they humble themselves, seven fourteen, then I'll heal their land and I'll forgive them. And so this is the deal that Solomon makes with with the Lord or the Lord makes with Solomon, actually. But we do have the dedication of the temple. And so since we're dedicating our temple today, um, I wanted to share this verse with you guys. And then we're going to show you guys a couple uh, pictures of our history here in our church. So it says, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Then Solomon spoke, and the Lord said, He will dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and have placed you to dwell in forever. We're in chapter 6, in verse number 3. And the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel was standing. So as Solomon was dedicating the temple, and as you guys know, King David um, desired to build God a temple. Moses was given commandments to build what was called a tabernacle, where the Holy of Holies would go. And it was built in a tent. And for 40 years after the the nation of Israel left Egypt, they wandered around the wilderness because they weren't allowed to enter Canaan or cross over the Jordan into the promised land, which is modern day Israel. And and during that 40 years, they erected this tabernacle, this tent where God would, would and everywhere they would, they would move, they would stop, they would set up camp, and they would erect this tabernacle in the middle. If you flew over the camp of Israel for those 40 years in an airplane, the way that God laid out the camps based on the 12 tribes, he said, the tribe of Levi, you're in the center, and you're going to take care of the house. The tribes of Benjamin and Ephraim and Naphtali and, and Judah, you're going to be in the north and the south and the west, and you're going to camp in this particular direction. And so God laid out all the numbers, and, 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 the, and Benjamin was 100,000, and Judah was, was 70,000, and they were supposed to camp in these, in these perfect uh, alignments around the temple. Well, if you flew over in, in an airplane for 40 years and saw the children of Israel camped around the tabernacle, anybody want to take a wild guess what the camp would have looked like? perfect shape of a cross they were in a cross and this tabernacle that god dwelt in for these 40 years that they would tear down and they would set back up well when david became king later in the unified kingdoms of israel this tabernacle sat outside the palace of david david was looking out his window one day in his house and he saw this tent made with 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 vinyl and 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 temporary and he said god i'm in a house and you're still living in a tent I want to build you a house. And God said, David, you can't build me a house. You're, you're a man of war and your hands are too bloody, but your son can build me a house. 
And so David didn't take that as a complete no. He said, well, God didn't say I couldn't build the house, but he didn't say I couldn't get the material. So David began in the latter part of his life to gather the materials that Solomon would need to build the temple. And when Solomon became king and of age, he, he built the temple. And it was a long process. The temple that, that stood, it was one of the, the wonders of the world, the eighth wonder of the world in its day. The queen of, of Ethiopia traveled to Israel, recorded for us in the Bible, because the splendor of Solomon and everything that he had built that was the temple and, and his palace and everything around it was, was, was famous around the world. And the queen of, the queen of Ethiopia comes to Israel to, to see it. And so this, this amazing temple, it would have stood where the Dome of the Rock stands today in Israel. It was destroyed when? 70 AD. 70 AD was, where it was when Solomon's temple was destroyed. Solomon's temple wasn't Solomon's temple at the time. It was technically, for you Bible folks, it was the rebuilt Solomon's temple, or what we call the second temple, or Herod's temple, because Herod re built Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was partially destroyed when Babylon came through later in the history of Israel and took Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and those folks back to Babylon as captivity. They also sacked part of Solomon's temple that later was rebuilt. So this is the day here where um, the temple is completed after many years. Solomon has gathered the people to dedicate the temple. So we've gathered you today to dedicate our temple, to dedicate this this house that the Lord has given us. And in verse 3 it says, Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while the assembly was sitting. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has fulfilled with his hands what he has spoken with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there, nor did I choose any man to be ruler over my people Israel. Yet I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. And now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God, But the Lord said to my father, David, whereas is in your heart to build a temple, my name, you did not dwell with his heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son will come from your body and he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word. Somebody say amen. Amen. Which he has spoken. And I have filled the position of my father, David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And there I have put the ark in which the covenant of the Lord, which he made to the children of Israel. Now verse 12 is Solomon's prayer of dedication. And then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel. And he spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high, and had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it. And he knelt down on his knees before the assembly of Israel. And he spread out his hands towards heaven. So let's try that, huh? I'm going to try to do that and read my Bible at the same time. So it says that he knelt down on his knees and and that he spread his hands toward the heavens and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you. Somebody say amen. Who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised Somebody, your servants, David, my father, you have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hands as it is to this day. 
Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promise your servant David, my father, saying you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if your sons take heed to their way that they walk in my law as you have walked before me. And now, O Lord of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David. Amen. All right. So that's our dedication. Well, we've um, we've come a long way. And, um, you know, what I want to do for the next few minutes is um, just share a little bit of God's uh, faithfulness here. So we we planted this church in September of 2013. Um, The way that uh, I got to tell you our first God's story and and God's in our trek of faithfulness. You know, a lot of what the Bible is about, if you just read, if you just read through the Bible, like through the Old Testament, you you have this underlying theme all the way through. And it's it's God's faithfulness. And and the reason that, that, that we see and as we read through the entire Bible, this over and over and over theme that God is faithful is to tell you something. And I, I shared this with you guys a couple of weeks ago, right? That that number one theme through that is that you can trust God. You can trust God because he's faithful. God, you can trust God with your life. You can trust God to take care of you. You can trust God to show up faithful in your problem in your problems. You can show you can you can trust God to show up faithful in every area of your life and in your sicknesses and in your in your heartaches and your hurts and your victories and your defeats that God will absolutely show up faithful in your life that he will never leave you nor forsake you and that God is going to show up faithful in every way of your life amen so so I want to just look at the faithfulness of God for us here in in Tooele over the last um, six years and two months six years and a month and a half is about where we are so um, we'll get to that in two seconds you can leave it up Um, this was, all right, we'll start with this. Um, this was our first second. It was right around when we started. This is our first, uh, this is where our church started. That's in Lydia and I's house. That's in our living room. And so I recognize a few people there. Those still around. This was Toby and Alicia. They, they were instrumental in starting this church. That's Chad and Corey Christofferson up there in the corner. They're still around. And uh, that's one of our first Sundays. We'd meet there. This was Russ up here. And we didn't have anybody to lead worship, so Russ had a speaker that was Bluetooth. So I would call Russ on Wednesday nights, and I would say, hey, Russ, don't forget to bring the worship team, man. And so he would show up with this speaker, and I'd hook my phone up to it, and we'd sing a couple songs. And I taught through the uh, Gospel of John, and then where did we go from there? Then uh, we had some people from California come out and do some outreach, and so... Um, if you guys recognize, you probably don't see, you probably can't tell a picture small, but that's Gina there. Gina's sitting right over there and, and Peyton, we did a thing in the park and, uh, we had the friends from California come out and do a puppet show and, um, and, and just do some outreach. And we started trying to get the word out a little bit about our little church plant. And then from there, we, uh, we started growing a little bit. And so we moved into the basement of our house. My basement was unfinished at the time. Um, it's finished now, and I'm kind of wishing it looked like that again after the boys have got to, to it and done what they did to it. But um, so then, um, at, at this point, we we began to um, let people know that if they wanted to, many people had other churches they were going to on Sunday mornings, and we're driving into Salt Lake. And you know, we always shared the vision that our vision was to start a Sunday morning. But if they wanted to um, begin to give towards the ministry, that anything that we received as tithes and offerings. 
would put towards um, starting a Sunday morning, renting a building. You know, I was constantly for those months. We got here in February. It, it, by September is when we had our first Sunday. So do the math. February to September is how long we were meeting in the home. Um, so this is the very first Sunday of, of Spring Sky Chapel. Come on, somebody. That's good stuff right there, dude. Um, hold on a minute. Leave it on that picture for a minute. There's Kip in the back. Is Kip here today? No. See, I'm shaming her. There's Dan. See Dan there on the left? Um, so what you're looking at is, yeah, what you're looking at is this building right here. So there was a wall right here. So um, we would have been where I'm at in the front where the TV is, would have been where the sound booth is now. So we stood up there, all the chairs faced that way, and we fit, I think I put like 70 chairs in there, um, 65 chairs maybe we could fit in here, and we had like 70 people show up the first Sunday, so none of them ever came back, but, um, but we had like 70 people the first Sunday, so we had like standing room only our first Sunday. Well, what had happened leading up to this, we, we rented this, just again, just as good, we had the back half there where it is a youth room now, is where Miss Sue would, would have the children for children's ministry, and then we did this. Well, before September 1st, so, so in August, I met with a guy that I never met before, a businessman here, uh, and we, the money that we had been receiving as a church, we had about um, $2,200 in the church account, and so... He wanted twelve twelve hundred bucks to rent that rent that building, and he wanted first and last month. So he needed twenty four hundred dollars to 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 start our first Sunday. That's all we had. We had no chairs, we had no TVs, we had no nothing monitors, just nothing. We had nothing. So we had no paint. The a lot of work that needed to be done. So to write the very first check that we ever wrote from this church, um, Lydia and I we we put a couple extra hundred dollars kind of on loan in the church account so that it didn't go into red. And I wrote the first check from the Tooele Springs checkbook for $2,400 with, with actually $2,200 in the account. So net, our first check, we were negative $200, and we rented this building. And then about a week later, so this is in August, where we started advertising we're going to start September 1st. And, and later in, in August, before we get to this, before we know any of this, God tells me that we're going to need to rent this side, that, that we're going to outgrow that very fast, and that I should start working on renting this side. And I was so excited. Because we, we had minus $200 as a church. Um, there was no way I could do it. I knew for sure God was telling me we were supposed to, supposed to rent this side. I called, my, I called my pastor, and I was excited. And I said, dude, this is what I feel like God's telling me. We're going to step out in faith, but we have no money, so it's really cool. And he's like, he's like go for it. So I called the guy. That, that, that He's in Salt Lake, Sugar House, where his, where his office is. He has to drive all the way out here. So I make him drive out here, like at the end of August, and I'm going to negotiate with him because this side came available to rent this side. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get a great deal now. I'm a big player. We're renting two sides now, and we, we got this, you know. And, but I'm also a little bit nervous because I'm wasting this time. I have no money. I'm going to try to negotiate with negative $200. Maybe I should borrow some money from him so I could pay that back or something. But So, so he comes out, and we, we agree on a, a price to, to rent, the, rent both sides. And, and yet we don't have any way to do it. We, we don't, don't know what's going to happen, what God's going to do. And so um, right about that time, Lydia had come home on a Saturday, and she said, hey, we got a couple of voicemails from this guy. She's like, did you see this? I said, no. She said, are you going to return him? I was like, I don't know, just whatever. I'll, okay, yeah. So I, I said, well, I'll send him a text. So I, I send a text 
to this guy and say, hey, sorry, I missed your call. Now I act nice, right? Sorry, I missed your call, uh, you know, whatever. So he texts me back this really long text. Strange number, number I've never met, somebody that's just there. And he says, hey, uh, it's this late Saturday night. I need to meet with you tomorrow. And he said, I can't tell you why over this text, but you'll find out tomorrow. And I'm like, what? He's like, okay. He wants to take me out to lunch. So Lydia's like, are you going to go? So I like got my gun and I kissed my wife and my kids goodbye just in case, you know. True story. And I, and I go meet with complete strangers. Never met him in my life. I don't know how he got my number. Calls me, says he's going to take me out to lunch. So I, so I meet him. We go right over here to the little Greek restaurant on the corner. And he, he's a Christian guy, and he had heard about our ministry here. He had actually heard me preach a couple times and did a little homework on me and us. And um, he said, he just started for an hour. He was asking me questions about money. What do you believe about tithing? What does the church believe about tithing? Do you believe that the church has the same responsibility as the people do to give 10%? Are you guys going to give out? Or what is the vision for this new church you're planning? And just grilled me about finances and money and um, well, then at the end of it, he tells me a little story after an hour. He says that he wants to make an investment into our new little church plant. And he said God had told him, he said he had set aside some money that he, he wanted to give to ministry. And he said, I haven't been disobedient, but it, it's been over a month and a half. And I just couldn't believe that God wanted me to give this to this little tiny church plant I'd never met. So I've been spending the last month praying and seeking God. And I'm positive that God has told me I'm supposed to give this to, to your church plant. And I said, okay, cool, you know. And so he handed me an envelope. He said, don't tell anybody where you got that. So I tell the story, but I don't tell you where I got it. And he said, and don't open it till you get home. I said, okay, fair enough. So he, he hands me an envelope. And so I, I couldn't get home. We had already rented this. We were doing some work. So I made it from the Greek restaurant to here. And I come in the door. This was the door. And I look around, make sure he didn't see me, you know. And, I, and I'm standing where Matt's standing right now, where Matt's sitting right now. I'm standing in that area, and I open up this envelope, and there's a check for $40,000 in it. And that's, that's a true story. I fell right there on the ground and cried because that was one of the first times that God just really showed up and encouraged me and said, hey, I'm with you, man. I'm in this. This is my thing. Like, let's do this. And, you know, because you, you doubt those things. You struggle a little bit as you go through in ministry and life and wondering, is God Am I manufacturing something? Is this something that God is doing? And, and that was really the first big thing where God just, and it wasn't really so much about the money, but we needed it. And, and at that time, then we bought chairs so we could have our first Sunday. We, we bought monitors. We, we bought, you know, once we opened the building up and did all this stuff, we, we, we had some money to get started that we needed desperately. And it just came supernaturally. We just weren't in a church now. We didn't have any members or people that were invested in giving and, and, and developing something in God's kingdom. But God was faithful and he showed up that day. And so that's how we started. And then because we had such a great turnout our first week, we, uh, we were able to rent the other side. Now you're looking at um, this wall got knocked out. The guys came from California again and helped us. We knocked this wall out. We put this, the stage right here. The chairs went this way. That was our entrance. Sunday school was still in the back. We had two sides now to do Sunday school. And we, we met with church like this for a long time, probably three, three and a half, four years until recently. And then um, one of our baptisms... We did it that we used to do baptisms down at the park. It was cool in those early days. We did some baptisms, so go ahead. This is just a picture of one of the Sundays. You guys remember what the church used to look like? Okay. Men's discipleship. Big class. We had 26, 27 guys show up. Another baptism. We started doing baptisms here. Now, one of the things that I'm super um, proud of, and I think one of the things that 
does demonstrate a little bit of fruit of what God is doing is seeing people baptized. Baptism is, is, a, is, a, is a time when you, you make a public declaration of faith. And as a pastor, there's lots of, lots of blessings and lots of curses and trials and tribulations and different goods and bads that you go through. But I tell you, the highlight of my, my life of being called to serve God in the way that God's called me is when I get to baptize people because it's like the finishing deal. Like, you know, that, that's really, I think, for people... A, a, a life-changing moment of surrender of their life to Jesus where they've made a full commitment and they're ready to get baptized. I used to keep the numbers every time. I don't have an exact number, so it's, but it's pretty close. But we've baptized about 150 people since we've been here. Um, praise the Lord for that. That's 150 souls. And then we started doing outreach, 4th of July. As you guys know, the 4th of July has become one of our um, big events every year. So I want you guys to continue to um, you know, be a part of this, make this great. This is something that we can do well as a church as we have a vision to reach our community. That's just another 4th of July picture of, of the folks that came out to help and serve. This was a fun day. We went and we won a bowling tournament um, for, for uh, one of the ministries, um, 180 Ministries. So we took first place. We were proud of that. Then uh, we, we kind of came to our next step. Sweet Pea was next door to us. They were a little five and dime for uh, for for a thrift store for kids and they had a wonderful business man they were super busy and did well and and 14 years of business and for no reason they decided to close 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 doors and and then that building became available so we rented that building we renovated it as it is now we started working on it for children's ministry and um at the time larry and i i don't know if see larry around today we did a lot of that and then that was kind of one of the pictures of uh sunday school staff training that was being done over there so after the building was done in the Sunday school side, then right after that, we rented that building. Um, we bought a piece of property. So two years ago today, we, um, we had about a hundred and I don't know, $10,001 and in the bank account. And um, we, we had an opportunity to buy a piece of property on the other end of town. When we bought this property, it was a complete God deal, but it was us as a church, you and I. Now, first of all, to have $110,000 in the bank was huge, right? And so we, we, we Wendy, we, they wanted like 300000 for it, and so we were talking about what we're going to offer, and Wendy says, well, we got one hundred and ten. why don't we just offer them that? And we're like, that's going to offend them. That's really low. And well, let's just start. They'll counter, and so we offered them one hundred and ten, and they took it. <laughs> so we um so we bought a piece of property and and you know but it was a big step of faith because that was everything we had you know we did um you know stepped out in faith and so um knowing and when we bought the property we tried to share this vision because it'll it'll kind of make sense that one of two things would happen with the property that we would build there, a building to put a church the size we want to be on that property conservatively. It's about a $4 million project. It's about $200 a square foot. We're looking about you just simple math, 20,000 square foot building, $200 a square foot, $4 million is the number. You could, we could probably get away a little bit cheaper, but still it's, that's about the price tag ground up. You know, street improvements and regulations and red tape. It's 100, 200, 300,000 before you even turn it for a shovel. So, but, so either we would build there one day or, th- or that that would be an investment to help us build something else or to grow where we are, and that's kind of where we've been. So when we bought the property, we knew that. And then a year later, um, we, we, were, we were saving money, and we were back to just doing church the way we were and 
had the property now. We own the property now. And they asked us if we wanted to buy the building that we're in. We were negotiating. I was trying to buy the uh, old Sears building where Sears just moved out. The grocery store before that, I was trying to buy the grocery store building to move us over there. And, and these deals, none of these deals we could make happen and we're working. And about that time, they asked me if I wanted to buy this building. And I said, no, I don't want to buy this building. We've outgrown it. We're, you know, the sanctuary's there and just we got to get out of there. And he said, hold on, before you tell me no, listen to this. He said, you can own it for less than what you pay in rent every month. We can, we can engineer this. We can cut the thing. He gave me some, some different ideas um, for how we could make it work. We began to pray about it, talk about it. And we said as a ministry, as a church, this just fits. We, we can own our building for less than what we pay in rent. And, and, and we, will, we don't have the thing hanging over our heads that we're leasing and that at any moment they could tell us, hey, we've, we've decided to do something different with the building. Could you imagine today if, if we got a call from our landlord that we're leasing this building from and they said, hey, we decided that in a month we, we're going to do something different with the building. We need you guys out. Where would we go? What would we do as a church? So that's what we're celebrating today in large part. Listen, we own our building. Praise God, right? Like, yeah, like, I just, I got back, I just got back from Georgia, and, and 80, 80 different churches represented a Calvary Chapel um, Deep South conference. Churches our size, smaller, bigger, and they let every one of the senior pastors in this conference have one minute to share. And so they go around the room, and, 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 and of, there was three different churches in the Deep South out of 80 churches represented, and all three of them, and all hit me because of where we were, and they said, hey, we're in our building our lease is up. We got to get out. We got a month to go. We're praying about where to go. Will you, will you guys pray with us over this? And so it was a real issue. My brother and his and his, uh, pastor is there in uh, a church, and they were renting a building. And, and just this six months ago, the woman came in who owned the building, and I don't know if she saw dollar signs or what, but she tried to quadruple their rent. And, and they tried to work with her. She just wanted a lot of money. And so they had to move out from where they were, and now they're in the Boys and Girls Club in a box. So they have a church and a truck. And then on Sunday mornings, they get there early and they set up church in a Boys and Girls Club gym. And, and you know, like that, it's a real huge blessing, you guys, for us to not have that anymore. For us to just, we now have our space that nobody can kick us out of. We're building equity that it, it really is phenomenal. So um, when we decided to buy the building, um, we needed 90000 um, cash to close escrow. It's what the bank um, was going to need to down. We needed 90000 down to get the loan. We had 60000 as a church, and so we, we presented it to you guys. And, and, it, and, and prior to this, there had been a couple times as a ministry where, you know, Lydia and I, we have some family and friends and, and, and connections in California and some people that have believed in what we're doing and, and, and wanted to be a part of helping send us out. And, um, and, and so I've made a couple calls in the past, and, and you know, a couple times we've got $25,000 checks, $15,000 checks, um, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that with a phone call, I can get a $25,000 check, but I, we, we put it out there. And when that God did that a couple of times with some people that were invested in what we're doing from, from, from back home. Well, this particular time, we just felt like, you know, what, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to call the people that have helped us in the past. We're just, we're, we're if, the, if they keep helping us and if they keep, you know, writing the big checks, then there's no buy-in from here, and we could build something that we'll never be able to sustain until there's buy-in from right in this building, until, until the people here, this is something that they want and that, that they're going to get behind. 
you know, at the time, I, you know, the, the, the whole thing freaks me out a little bit at times and I'm nervous and we have some equity in our house and I'm telling Lydia, look, we could refinance. I could pull some equity out of the house. We can invest in this, in this new thing. And I got some counsel from some other pastors. They said, Pastor Chris, don't do that. Don't do that. If you, if you invest all your equity from your house into this, this, this building and, you know, if the people aren't in it, it's not going to work anyway. It's just it's, it's got to happen organically. It's got to happen. So that's what we did. And, I, and I, I, I nervously spent, you know, a couple of weeks and months maybe talking about money. And what we did was we said, as you guys know well, um, on this particular date, we're going to receive a special offering. And if you guys want to be a part of this, we need $60,000. Uh, we're, 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 our goal is sixty because um, we need another thirty to close. And then we want to have thirty so that when the team from California, because at the same time this is all happening, we're trying to get the money to buy this building. There's a missions team in California that, that one of our, our, our friends in, from California who's come out, he's, he's making announcements at our home church that on November 1st, if we close escrow, they're going to bring a group of construction guys up here to help us remodel. So I want some money when they get here so that we could start the remodel project. So our goal is 60000 we, we We do this thing. We get to that Sunday. And, and I just used one number. It did come in over a week or two. Some people weren't here that actual Sunday, so they gave it the week before, the week after. But the amount of money that came in in one week on that special offering, I've announced a couple times, was $80,000. Right? Like $80,000. And you guys know what you gave. And, I, and again, I don't think anybody wrote a really, really large check. I think everybody was faithful and everybody made sacrifices and we put it in the hands of the Lord and God multiplied it. And God, and God took the fish and the loaves and he just did m- really miracles. And, and that was just to do it. So now we, we wrote the check for 90. We bought the building. We had 30 left, 35 left. We started construction. And um, since then, listen, this is not the 80 that came in one week. This is since the the that we started we'll count the 30 actually so that's 30 plus 70 but since november 1st one year ago today when i stood on this stage like this where's it at that's the guys from california what a miracle man for these guys to come out and take a week off work some of the stuff going on go ahead um when they put the doors in that's those doors going in right there that's us praying it up one day before work um there's some of the crew that's the sound booth. There's Brian giving direction on the stage, Brian in the back. This, this is an important picture. This is my brother Sonny on the right and my brother Darren on the left. And uh, these guys make gumbo for everybody. That's important. All right. We ate gumbo. And that was our first Sunday. And then I think we got this one next. Or did I take it out? There it is. The, the, the better picture is when you can see my shoes. I got my J's on in that picture. All right. You can change that. So from that day right there, and then, then you see some more development on the stage. From that day, including the 30 and everything that we've done, and what we told you guys was, excuse our dust. Um, we're going to build as God provides. We're not going to borrow any more money. We've borrowed. We're in a good position. We do have some a little bit of bad debt we've got to deal with, um, but most of it is, is stuff we can handle, and it's good, and we're still in a better position financially. So we're just going to buy the things that we need as the Lord provides. And from November 1st of last year to November 1st of, of this year, we have just from Sunday offerings and, and spending, you know, and, and stuff adds up. I wish you guys, like, where Mike's standing. Mike, knock on that door right there. Have any idea what that door costs? What a door like that costs to put in? Those doors are two grand for each set. That's four grand. 
you know, and, and then the installation and all those things just adds up. The bathrooms, the bathrooms that we built, you know, we put 10 grand into those bathrooms. It's just quick. If you're in construction or you do remodel stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You're like, I know, I know this stuff adds up, but it adds up. But, but we were faithful. We didn't pay anything. So we put $100,000 into this building. All paid for. You guys getting tired of clapping yet or not? All right. It's okay. No. Um, so just good. And, and listen, this is all testimony of God's faithfulness and your faithfulness. And again, to appreciate you, to thank you. That's something that we did. That's not something that God had to do from the outside. And, and, and just to say that this, you know, that I'm in this and I, I want to do this. Now, I'm, I'm out of time. So um, then we, as you guys know, part of the project, we put some lipstick on the pig. We painted the front of the building, black the windows. And now the window tin is breaking my windows. Um, that was this last Wednesday. So, hey, real quick, I don't have any more time because I want to talk about one more thing. But this um, Halloween is an amazing opportunity for our church. I mean, we get really honest with you guys. I was, I was so impressed this year. And I have been every year, but it really hit me hard this year. I'm, I'm standing out front, and I'm looking down the street towards the movie theater. And as far as I can see, I'm not kidding, the street is crowded with people coming at us. And for an hour, it never got smaller. Carl stood out there with some other people to ask him, or if you were there, you've seen it. I mean, there was, last year they estimated 5,000 people walked through the front of our door. This year the number has got to be way bigger. And it was the coldest Wednesday, our coldest Halloween. But for an hour straight, now for two and a half hours they kept coming, but for an hour straight at the peak of this night, I mean, I'm looking at the faces and the people that are coming by as we're greeting them and, you know, strangers and just people that may know we're here or not. Just an amazing opportunity to do outreach and to let people know we're here and to bring people in our building. So many people came in our building. We're like, wow, what a difference from when we were here last year, you know, and and noticed. And, and people said, oh, we're going to come. We're going to check it out. And so just a really good opportunity. But that's something that we could do well. In the future, as outreach, we build sets, we make games, we do something that's community-oriented, but it takes you guys. You know, Larry, honestly, Larry did, a, there was a lot of volunteers, a lot of help, I'm not saying that, but a lot of the, the main kind of responsibility landed on Larry and Jackie, and they did, he did a lot, but if he had some help, and he had somebody that wanted to take this ministry on and really make it great, we have an amazing opportunity on Halloween to reach our community for Jesus. Okay, so something to pray about, think about as we move forward. That was inside. That was one of the pictures of what we were doing inside. Kind of hard to see what's going on, but we had some games going on and kids and families and people from our community coming through the building. I made sure I kept the Jesus stuff lit up in the back for them. And then um, what else? That's it. Okay, good, good. Timing's good, I guess. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you guys for money right now. <laughs> I just put it bluntly. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I do. I want to. I want to extend a, 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 an opportunity. Okay. So I never preach a broke God. I'm not saying for any second that that God is um, can't afford His programs and that, that He does. And anytime somebody tells you if you don't give this radio program will go off the air, let it go off the air, because if if it's that type of where you have to give, then then that's something different. This is not what we do here. But biblically, what we do do here is we present opportunity. Paul told Timothy that he had to um, command those who, who could in his church to give, that it was because it was for their benefit. And so we present an opportunity. We do have an opportunity. Um, we've been trying to be, again, faithful and frugal. And, but as you guys know, we've spent every penny that's come in on stuff. Um, and then some, Lydia just said. But um, so we, we've kind of been keeping it close. We kept a little cushion and, you know, we would buy materials as we could afford them. 
um, and, and, and with a little cushion. Well, we've had a couple things happen recently. We had two furnaces go out at four grand a piece that we weren't expecting. We had a tax bill for um, the taxes that are due. So we've had a couple big expenses come up recently. Um, if you can, or if you are interested, or if you want to, or you're willing to do something above and beyond what you normally do in your tithes and offerings, uh, we do have some need right now. We're, we're really tight right now because of these um, uh, expenses. And then we want to finish. We're, we're so close to being done, you guys. We're so close to being done. God is so good. Um, you know, I started this thing by saying, you know, like you, you don't recognize your kids growing, right? Like it just happens too fast right in front of you. But when you come from the outside and you see it, and when people come from the outside, Lydia's dad is for one. Lydia's dad's been a pastor for 35 years, and he's a pastor of pastors and, um, and, and leads lots of different churches and church plants. And, and when he comes, he's like, his eyes are big, you know, and he's like amazed. He's like, he's like, Chris, really? He's like, you know, he deals with hundreds of Calvary chapels and different people and through CBI. And he says, really, what you guys have done there in, in six years is really phenomenal. It really is. And so I don't want us to miss that. God, God has been really good, and, and, the, and the ministry and the work that's happened has been super phenomenal. So praise the Lord for that and, and continue to do that. And again, if, if, if you can or you're in a position to help right now with, with some of these added expenses, you'd like to do that, we're going to give you that opportunity. Uh, we put new love offering boxes and prayer uh, boxes on the back so that if you, you, know, you want to put something there, you can. Um, no pressure, no, no um, obligation giving. And if you don't give it with the right heart and because God told you, you don't get no credit in heaven for it anyway, so keep it. Buy an extra Big Mac or whatever you want to do with it. We're out of time. You guys are going to want to eat? Okay. Let, let me do this. Can you guys give me two more minutes if I make it two? Let, do we have CBI real quick? Just real quick. Let's do the CBI. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Our mission is to raise up the next generation of pastors and leaders to be sent into the fields, plant churches, preach the gospel, to make disciples, to lead congregations in worship, and to affect the world with the gospel. We are a 10-month program offering biblical, pastoral, and discipleship training to young men and women who have a call of God on their lives. We equip our students with the Word of God and practical ministry experience to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. If you feel ready to take the next step in answering God's call in your life, we encourage you to apply to join us here near Joshua Tree, California at Calvary Bible Institute. And then the next picture, Brian. The last picture. So this is me and Pastor Gerald. This is the Calvary Bible Institute um, booth. This is one of the things I share with you guys that we do is we travel to a lot of the conferences to um, promote the college and to, and to recruit students and teachers. And, um, and so we do, as our church, we have an opportunity um, with CBI. We're getting ready to plant um, CBI in Cuba and, and Uganda and the, and the Republic country of Georgia. And so we, we as a church have opportunities for missions and to do some outreach. We're going to, in the coming years, as we finish our building and we're not spending every penny that we have investing in our building, and once we get kind of squared on, on the construction, the coffee shop, now all that's really left is to finish the coffee shop, which isn't much, but make it functional to where now Sunday mornings you can come in. Um, the vision for the coffee shop is for you guys to have, if you want a regular cup of black coffee with cream and sugar, that's still free. But if you want a Starbucks-style coffee, you have to pay for that. Um, 
and then and then have like continental breakfasts, have yogurts and bagels and things when you come in, have some places to sit down. You come in a little bit early, get a cup of coffee, get a breakfast burrito. The conference room will be set up for eating and hanging out. Um, again, we'll get some furniture and finish decorating that side. So when that's done, the next season we're going to go into as a church, this is important. The next vision that we have is that we're going to focus on some missions, foreign missions. Okay, so we'll highlight that at a later date and tell you what that entails. But we have opportunity as a church to go on missions and, and to be and to, to be a church that's doing some mission stuff. So we're going to take a season coming up um, and, and focus on missions and what we do and kind of tightening up um, and, and clarifying and, and, and defining what we as a church want to focus on in foreign missions. And it's, it's not a huge outreach, right? Because we're still a small church and we're limited in our resources and what we could do. But we're going to pick a couple um, things that we really want to get behind in this next season and, and take a little season of focusing on, focusing on some foreign missions. I hope you guys can get behind that and get excited about that and, and see God's hand in that. We'll try to unpack that vision for you as we move on. But with CBI, um, one of the functions of, of CBI, the Bible colleges, they have... Um, 40, 50 graduates, 30, 50 graduates a semester, and, and they're trying to place every one of them into churches around the United States, Calvary chapels, as interns. So they come for six months, they come for a season, and they get to go out, and, and they're, they're going all over, small churches like ours and different places and, and, and bigger churches and smaller churches and helping out. So we have opportunity to receive some of these CBI graduates as interns here. There will be a huge blessing in a lot of ways. One of the things we have to do is we have to be able to house them. So we've we got to figure that out. But um, if, if anybody has something or an idea how to accomplish that or a, a basement that, you know, or something in your house where you could house a Bible college student or two, um, it would be a great opportunity. But that's a vision that we have moving forward as well. Amen? All right, I'm just beyond out of time, you guys. So let's stand up. I got like a million more things to share with you. I promised the worship team we were going to do a closing song, and then I went seven minutes over. So let's eat. Um, yeah. Let's eat, and um, we do need to rescue the uh, kids from Sunday school. And if you guys volunteer in Sunday school, you know what that means, right? Like, comes a time. So when we're done, if you just go grab your kids, and then we'll start eating. Um, we're, we're probably going to need to set up some more places to eat. The conference room is set up with tables and chairs, so you can eat in there. And then if we could maybe stack the chairs in that back section, we'll bring some tables in there so people have places to sit there and eat. Amen?